Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, City on a Hill Community Church. I know, I feel like we should do the wave. I love it. I love it. I am so glad to be back with you. I have missed you, and I think about you. I pray for you, Jackie and I. We pray for you, and we pray for uh, churches in New York I, that, that we love so much. And uh, I, um, Boy, I'm just blown away with emotion, just seeing faces here and thinking about it. I, Jackie and I could barely walk out of this place when we left with the blessings you heaped upon us. Um, really, thank you. Just an overabundant uh, generosity. For those of you, of you that I've not had the privilege of meeting, if you've come between, say, say you've started coming to City on a Hill between now and February, you're like, who is this guy? <laughs> uh, my name is Tom Richter, and I was, uh, for 14 years, the pastor of a church in Jamaica, Queens. A little bit of an interesting setup, because our church in Jamaica, Queens met in the evening time. And so uh, that freed me up in Sunday mornings, and one thing led to another, sort of via Saville, via the Canises, via meeting the Lecce's, coming to a, a, a Middle Island Christmas breakfast, remember that, and Wading River, a million years, feels like forever ago. And um, preached, and one thing led to another, and became just best friends uh, with the Lechies, and uh, uh, feel so blessed. And uh, when we left in February, we left New York to accept a new call to ministry in uh, Coleman, Alabama. And Alabama, uh, I'm the pastor now at, at uh, Coleman First Baptist Church, and it's the church where my wife was baptized, where her parents live, and so, wow, we've gone from being a thousand miles to our closest family members to right there, and uh, what a blessing. And I remember the first time Jackie came in, it was a Friday night, and she said, hey, Nana and Papa, that's what you know, we call her folks, Nana and Papa are going to take the three kids out to their place, so they just said, enjoy the weekend, and I was like... <laughs> That's a thing? Like, that can happen? You know? Sometimes, I know. So you don't want to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, we feel so, so blessed. Uh, people ask me, what's it like going from uh, uh, Jamaica, Queens to uh, Coleman, Alabama? <laughs> and, and it's funny. Those of you that know me know that I grew up in a small town in Murray, Kentucky. And it's very similar to Coleman. Jackie, it's about four hours away. And Jackie, of course, is from Coleman. And so it's really not that big of an adjustment for us to go back there. It's just like going home. It's our kids, born and raised New York. Yeah, yeah. It's seeing it through their eyes. It's so funny. We were at an Indian wedding last night. I came back to officiate a church member, Indian. I'm wearing a, a complete Indian garb. Jackie has photos, Sharwani, the whole thing with the Aladdin shoes, you know, like a, like a, a, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm standing there at this Indian wedding and there's all this stuff going on. And I'm just like, there are moments in your life where you wonder what choices have I made that have got me to this point? Like only in New York, all the Indian guys were wearing a suit and tie and here I'm on the white. Anyway. Uh, but it's funny to see them and Carson at the wedding last night. It was in Northport somewhere, East Northport or whatever. And he t I hear, I hear this kid yell out, this isn't New York City. This is Long Island. I was like, who invited this kid? Anyway, <clears throat> the point of the story is, and I'll, I'll get, I'll, <laughs> the point of the story is, um, uh, the adjustment for our kids has been really, really funny. And uh, just one quick one, Carson, who's five, my boy is standing in the front yard 
And remember, his whole life, high-rise apartment, you know, the whole, his whole deal. And he's standing in the front lawn. He's got this funny look on his face. And I said, what's on your mind, buddy? He says, yo, dad. This house was built on a park. I said, no, buddy, that, that's called a lawn. It's called a yard. We... I said, if you look, see how all these houses have a yard? He goes, every house here gets its own park. I was like, you know what? Yes, yes. This is Shangri-La, this magical place right? called Alabama. Well, there's so many things I wanted to share with you. Boy, there's just not enough time. There's so many different sermons, so much that God laid on my heart. But I look back at, at you know, in the, in the scriptures, you got like the Apostle Paul, or you got the old Pastor John, and they would pour into a group of people. They would love them. Their, their hearts would become so intertwined. And when you read their letters back to them, especially John, it's not what you think. It's not this massive list of stuff. It's this, it's this simple reminder. He would say things like, little children love one another. I've got no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. It's these simple things. And so I thought maybe that's the approach I should take. So I really just want to make a simple point today. And the simple and really only point I want to make to you is that right now you live and I live. We all live in at least, but we'll start with this. We all live. You live in three places at once. You live in three places at once. Some of you feel like you live in a million places at once, but you live in at least three places at once. And this is the case I would make that you live in at least these three places all at the same time. You don't cease one to start the other. They're just always at all times. Like right now, this morning, you are in fact in three places at once. Now, this first one, we're going to call this and we'll symbolize by these three stools. This first one here, the first place you live, you exist. We'll call this professionally. Okay, this is your professional existence. If you're a student, this is your, your grades and your classes, okay? If you are a, uh, if you're, uh, you know, out working in the workforce, this is your job, this is, this is what you do. If you're retired, this is, this is lawn care. I mean, whatever you're into, this, this is the thing. You're like, yeah, right. This is the, uh, this is the, 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 the professional sphere, your academics or your work, or if you're in the military, you're in the service, the, the, the area, career and so forth. We'll call that the professional stool. At the same time you are in this professional world, you do not cease to then also be, at the exact same time, you don't stop. You also, you're not just what you do for a living. You're not just an attorney or just a teacher or just a homemaker. You're not just these things. You are at the same time, you exist in the relational sphere. Okay, so you exist professionally. You exist relationally. You are a son. You are a daughter. You're a father. You're a mom. You are a sister, a brother. You're a mother-in-law. You are a boyfriend. You're a girlfriend. You're someone's bae. A side piece. No? No? Okay. No. At any rate, you exist somehow relationally. You with me? You, you have all these intertwining relationships, right? So you exist professionally and you don't cease to exist professionally as you exist relationally. And at the same time you exist professionally, at the same time you exist relationally, you also exist, uh, we'll call this spiritually. 
Okay, so this is your heart. This is your character. This is who you are on the inside. This is your connection to God. This is this is the, those times when you feel all, all alone and it's night and, and, and you close your eyes and you think about what happens after we die. What is the meaning of life? You know, or, or if you're a strong Christian, strong believer, this is your faith. This is what you're thinking through. Right. So you exist professionally. You exist relationally and you exist spiritually. Right now, most people are with me so far. They might say, oh, actually, I exist in more spheres than this, or they might add a couple, but most people get me this. In fact, uh, most people even go a step further. If I ask people, if I ask them, and I'm not even talking about in churches, I'm talking anywhere. If I ask them of these three chairs, which one is the most important? What's the one that you would say, if I could only get one right, or if I could only have my kid get one right, what's the one I would sacrifice everything to get right? Which, which one is the most important? And I'm not even talking about, in church, of course, you're going to say the right answer. You know what I mean? You're going to say, right? Like nobody in here is going to be like, I care only for money. And like, no, yeah, of course, you're going to be like, of course, our heart. But this is, this is the facts. You, everybody says this. Like Jimmy Kimmel could go out and Jimmy Fallon could interview people on the street. They would agree. They would say this. Everybody says, why? Why is this the most important? Because if this is rotten, people understand, you're not going to have good relationships. You're never going to have a good career. These things are all contingent on this being right. And that's exactly what scripture says. I've even talked about this. I've been invited into public schools to give talks on character, which is always funny to me. I'm like, why do you... You want me? I was like, you know what I do for a living? I'm not a former athlete. I can't bend metal bars. You know what I mean? I have no skill that you're for a public school assembly. What you're supposed to bring in is bring in these strong guys who like break through concrete. Don't do drugs. You know, right? Like that's the message. You know, they, they, they do, they're on a unicycle and they juggle stuff and they're like, so don't bully. Oh, you understand? Like I got nothing. I'm just a preacher of the gospel. Like you take away the Bible and I've got nothing to say. Hey guys, good luck. You're going to make some bad choices. You're not going to get them right. There is help I could offer you that comes from somewhere else, but I'm not allowed to tell you about it. So, peace. I got nothing. And yet people say, oh, but you're, 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 you know, you're a communicator. You'll be able to tell them. I'm like, content matters. I got nothing without the gospel. I can't help them. I can't. I, yes, okay. Yeah, make good choices like they don't know that. Don't do drugs. Yeah, no kidding, right? My point is, but I try. So I tell them, okay, look, and here's what I do. Here's what I do. I tell them this. Now, I can tell you, it's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. That's the, that's the verse I'm going to ask you to memorize today. So you may want to look at it. Pull it up on your phone. Proverbs 4, 23. We're going to memorize it. But when I do this in a public school, what I'll tell them is this. <clears throat> you know, there's an ancient Hebrew saying. <laughs> and I quote Proverbs 4, 23. But as long as you don't give it the address, you're good. You with me? Are you there? Look at what Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says. It's just one verse. Above all else. Did you catch that? As in priority over these two things. It doesn't mean this is not important. It doesn't mean this is not important. But above all else, my version says, guard your job. No. Above all else, guard those relationships. No. Above all else, guard your heart. See, some of you already even know this verse. You already have it memorized. Above all else, guard your heart. For, my version says, it is the wellspring of life. Ooh, I like that. For out of it, 
spring the issues of life. That's great. The idea is it's a wellspring. All these other issues, relationally, professionally, it comes from this. Do you guys think we could memorize that together? Uh, just Let's just do my version since that's the one I have memorized. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I'll read it once more, then we'll do a closed book exam. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let's say it from memory. Can we take it off the screen? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, now, no, so far, so good. Like, duh. Everybody gets that. This is the most important part. This is the, this is to be guarded above all else. So here it is. This is my only point. So, so why don't we do that? Why, why is that one so, why is, why is that simple proverb so hard, so difficult to follow? I'll tell you why. In these two chairs, there are, there is built in accountability. The world's systems are designed to make sure you stay good at this. Let me explain. Professionally, huh? There's built in and immediate, very tangible accountability. Say, uh, you have a job. And you decide for two weeks not to show up at your job. At the end of those two weeks, guess what you will no longer receive? Money, right? There's very built-in accountability to make sure. Say you are a student and you decide, eh, I'm not going eh, to take this test. I'm not going to go to class. I'm going to do that stuff. Some of you are in college right now. Why do you go to class? That's right. Because, because mom and dad will kill you. They're paying a lot of money and you go to class because you're afraid of homicide. I understand. I understand. If you're in the military, there is built-in accountability. Can you imagine looking at the drill sergeant and say, give me a hundred push-ups. You know, I'm thinking seven. <laughs> Be more. The drill sergeant's going to, you know, get in your face. Well, there's very immediate accountability that you not mess up here, right? You got to punch in at the right time. You got to do the right things. The world is designed so that you stay on track here. You don't think there's accountability in relationships? <sighs> some, some... Some people that are dating right now, fellas, I can give you a tip. I can help you out. If you have a girlfriend and for one solid week, you do not call her, you do not text her, you do not uh, uh, snap the chat at her. I don't know how, I don't know how, how kids, how kids are, you in no way communicate with her at the end of that week. Guess what you no longer have a girlfriend. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I said this, that same illustration once at a college campus, this girl on the front row goes, a life. I was like, whoa, <laughs> I will cut you. Anyway, you get the point, right? So is there built-in accountability that you stay straight relationally? I mean, come on. Some of you are grown. You are full grown. But for those of you with mamas still living, you are, you, I mean, you pay a mortgage. You pay your own life. Is there not built-in accountability relationally? You are a grown human being. And yet if you smarted off to your mama, hmm? <laughs> right, right? You had the same mom I did, Right. Built-in accountability. Does everybody understand? There's built. You, there's 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 ways to like ensure you stay on track. Okay. Now, if you lose your faith in God, what are the immediate consequences? If you start laying out of church, I mean, a lightning bolt from heaven is not going to come down. It didn't come down in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve reached for it. It's not going. I mean, what what is the immediate consequence? Like. If you're a student, every semester, you, you, you literally, well, you don't now. Now it's, I, I'm told it's emails and they app your grades to you or whatever. It used to be me and my buddies would walk to the campus mail room. There was nothing like it in the world to, when, they, when we heard that grades had been released. Boys, 
we're going down together. Right? I mean, we would walk, you know, in that moment, right? And you get a, hey, here's instant feedback on how you're doing. What, 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 I mean, anybody here got a report card from heaven lately? Hey, congratulations. You got an A in Spanish, a B in English, which is weird because you, you, you speak English. Uh, it's just strange that you, you know, you got, you got a D in AP U.S. history, but that's the teach. I mean, it's just too hard on you. <laughs> Anyway, you, you know, oh, oh, and, and look, and look, it says here, love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness. Yeah, you failed. So congratulations, you're great at being a human and lousy at life. Like, you, no, none of you are getting that instant feedback, right? Nobody's getting that. There's, there's no built-in, there's no built-in and immediate consequences to let this slide. And so it slides. Does that make sense? On top of that, there's not only accountability, there's built-in rewards. Listen, if you... Work hard here. If you give this time, if above all else you guard this, somebody's going to give you a promotion. You're going to bump up. You're going to have the corner office. You're going to be the CEO of this place, right? Or, or, or you, you know, you do real good in school. Your parents are going to, are going to, are going to take you out for steak dinner or something, right? Or if you're, uh, if you're uh, in the military, you're going to get a promotion and higher rank. That there's built-in rewards for this. Built-in rewards for this? Man, some of you that are dating, back to you. If, if, if you play your cards right, you might just get married. Right? That's a reward. I meant that, that that's a good thing, right? You're like, oh, I don't know. Right? There's rewards here. If you listen, I mean, there's people that celebrate for you. I, I've seen, you know, uh, oh, you, you know, uh, uh, you, that girl finally said, yes, she's going to go out with you. I knew it could happen if, you know, you, you dialed back the Axe body spray. It was going to happen for you. Or if you said or, or, or on the alternative, I mean, there's people that come around you when things go well for you relationally. People come around you. They want you there. They, 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 there's some celebration when you make a good choice here or you make a good choice here. There's immediate celebration. If you overcame temptation here, who's celebrating for you? Like if you, if, you, if you found that you were less selfish than you were six months ago, where's the reward? Where's the celebration? Where's the immediate feedback? Does anybody go, I mean, right, does God say, hey, here's, you know, here, here's a bunch of blessings. You, you improved your fruit of the Spirit by 20%. Here's 20% more of God's blessings. And immediate, boom, it works like that. It doesn't. And so this slides. There's, I'm telling you, you come to church in the rain. There should at least be a $20 bill in the parking lot from God on your way out. Like the angels should be like, I know, I know, today was tough. I know, I know. I feel you. I know, I know, I know. Nothing. And you'll come to church some days and you'll leave. And you'll leave and you go, I, I didn't get anything out of that, right? Or you'll feel, you'll feel there's no immediate reward for what I'm doing. Whereas there's instant feedback here. There's instant feedback here. And if you skip church to mow your lawn, at least you got a nice lawn to look at. You understand there's immediate consequences and immediate rewards. And this, this could just go. And yet, the Bible has the audacity to say, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. And one last thing about this. The world is not neutral. The world is not neutral. It's not simply a matter of here's three categories. And man, this really stinks that this is this one can slide with no one noticing. It's worse than that. The fact of the matter is the world has geared. The world almost needs you to be bad at that so that this train can keep rolling. Let me see if I can explain professional success, uh, 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 let me say it this way, to, to many of you, uh, the world looks at you 
And to, and to, to much of the world, to, to many corporations, you are just a dollar sign. That's all you are. You're a dollar sign. And when you walk out of these doors, <laughs> it's just a big dollar sign. What, you have value to me as a corporation based on what I can sell you. Not all corporations are that way. I don't mean that. But I'm saying it, the world system is designed that you are a uh, uh, right? This is why Jesus, by the way, this is why Jesus could always tell the truth because he didn't have anything to sell. The, the only thing he had, he came to give away for free. And because he was never selling you on anything, he could just spit it 100. I mean, he could just he could tell the truth at all times. Why? Because he didn't have anything to sell. He wasn't trying to c- convince it. So people would come up and be like, well, I don't like it. Jesus like, well, you, you know, you got, you got to sell everything you have. Give to the poor. And the rich young ruler goes away very sad. And the disciples are going, that guy could have really set our ministry forward. And Jesus is like, I'm not, what, what, what am I trying to set for? I'm just trying to tell the truth, right? And the poor and the needy, the people that were going to drag his reputation down, the prostitutes and the, and the tax collectors. Jesus is like, who cares? Reputation? I came to give salvation to the world. I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything, right? Incredible. Think about it. If, okay, if you got good at this, if you got good at this, what would happen to the world systems? If suddenly people were like, honestly, I have contentment and I have a phone that works and it, you know, it flips open. It's got an antenna, you know, <laughs> operates by crank, but it's all I need, you know, then this kind of falls apart because this has, it's, it's almost like you need to be convinced that you're not content with that perfectly working phone because you need this new perfectly working phone. You, you see, things fall apart. The world is designed to make sure you stay good at this and this, don't even get me started, this, the relationships, this, the culture has lost its mind. Turn on the radio right now if you want to hear the false gospel of relationship as Savior. That's what you're being offered. You turn on the radio and it's, if I could just have that perfect love relationship, then I'd be complete. Then I'd be okay. I love love. Come on. That's great. I, yeah. You don't understand? I'm not hating. I'm saying, but, but that's what's being offered every day. This is what you make you complete. If you can just find that, if you can just find that relationship, if you can just, it's the, it's the false gospel of relationship as Savior when only Jesus is Savior, right? But that's what you're being offered. And it's out of control. It's out of control. My point is your whole world, you don't even know it. It's being designed. It's being built to make sure you're good at this, money as Savior, to make sure you're being good at this, relationship as Savior. Oh, it's just it's just disgusting. I, uh, I was like, what was this the top 40 song? I was listening on the, uh, it just came on the radio just recently. And I remember I was thinking about this and I was laughing. I was like, oh, um, uh, John Legend, uh, all of me loves all of you. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking about it, like all of me loves all, all, all of me loves all of you. not like I like you. And this is, could be like, you know, a partnership in the gospel. We'll get no, 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 like all, all of me. Loves all of you. Every fiber of your being. I want to eat your soul. Like John Legend. Listen. Woo. I, it's just a bit much. Okay. All of me loves all of you. There's nothing left for any of these other interests. And you complete me. <laughs> I'm sorry. If that's like your favorite song and you fell in love to that. I'm sorry for ruining it. But it's just like. It's too much. And it's the. To me. It's it's symbolic. I'm not hating. I mean, it's It's fine. But it's symbolic of what people are saying that this, above all else, I will guard my relationships. And the Bible says the world has geared you to be good at this. It's geared you to be good at this. And this can slide and fade to the back so easily. You just don't even notice it. 
right? And Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. So, let's wrap up. How? How? It's one thing to come in here and be like, living for money or living for relationships. <laughs> Angry prophet. It's another to say, okay, how then? How? If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're sitting here right now, whether you're even a Christian or not, if you're sitting here right now and going, I actually agree with this guy. I actually agree with him that so much of my life here has immediate rewards and consequences. And so much of my life here has immediate rewards and consequences. And this can fade to the background so easily without even anybody noticing. Then how, how, Tom, can I guard my heart above all else? And the answer is one word. Encouragement. That's how. What do I mean by that? There's all these people around you that are making sure you stay straight every day. Could be a boss, could be a supervisor, could be a peer, could be, could be right? Could, I don't know. There's somebody giving you constant encouragement. Another human being. Hmm? There's constant encouragement here. You have got to put yourself in a position around other Christians on a continual basis. And all the more as we see the day approaching. You have got to put yourself, you cannot forsake the meeting together in big and small ways. From the sanctuary to Goodfellas the pool hall. <laughs> it counts. You've got to put yourself in other, in, uh, around other people. You need to be in a hill house. You need to be at soaking prayer. You need to come to one of these men's groups. Why? You've got to surround yourself with other Christians. They're going to build you up and the world's tearing you down. Why? Because you need somebody in your life that can be so close. It doesn't have to be a ton of people. And I'm not saying you have to air out your dirty laundry with 200 people in this room right here. But there needs to be somebody who really knows you. There needs to be somebody that can look at you and say, listen, I have noticed in your life, you seem more patient now than you did six months ago. Can we just, can we just take a moment and celebrate with a piece of cake that we will wait five minutes before eating because patience is what we're celebrating? I don't know what you're going to, I don't know what you're going to do, but somehow celebrate, right? You made this big spiritual decision. You made this commitment, right? I mean, my dream is that you'd be so close to a group of people that when you finally take that spiritual step, maybe you go get water baptized at uh, the Lecce's house. And when you come up out of the pool, there's a whole group with their face painted cheering for you. Ah! You know, who's cheering for you when you do right? Everybody's picking on you when you do wrong. Who's building you up? It's the people in this room. That's your shot at that. And you say, well, I'm not a member here. Then go to the church you're at and get, it doesn't have to be here, but you've got to find that group of people. The sign on the door says no perfect people allowed. So everybody's got that, right? You come into a group and what do you think? Well, they're going to find out I'm, I'm creepy. No, they knew you were creepy when you walked in. <laughs> going to surprise somebody this is a christian church christians believe fundamentally we are so messed up there's no hope of heaven unless god himself comes to earth and fixes it that that is our doctrine that is literally what we believe that's why what is it what does the bible say over and over in the new testament therefore boasting is excluded let no man boast why because boasting's ridiculous we're the company of the rescued ones 
doesn't make any sense to be breathless. You won't believe how whew, God was lucky to have me. The rest of you jokers, but me. I sauntered up to God in my own strength, and I actually brought something to God that was worth offering, something he wanted. He was low on cash, but with my tithe, I, right? No, Christians are the group of people who say, we exist by his grace. So you have got, you have got to put, or, or you've just got to be disobedient to Proverbs 4.23. And, and, and the wellspring of life will be poisoned. You understand? That's how serious this is. You have got to get around other Christians on a consistent basis. The first thing I want to say is, you're here today, so nice. Let's keep that going on Sundays. Let's get involved in some sort of large group setting, some sort of small group setting. If your thing is the, you know, soaking prayer, or if it's the hill houses, you understand? But you've got to get around friendships, around other Christians. And you, uh, that takes time. Well, l- let's talk about it. Why wouldn't you do that? So let's say, because, you know, when it comes to a sermon, you really don't get any credit for how, oh, I enjoyed that, or that was well said, or that was poorly said, or whatever. All preachers care about is, will you do it? That's all I'm driving for is, will there be any change in action? Will you actually make a scheduling change that's different this week than what you were planning to do? You were not planning to come Tuesday night, but now you are planning. That's the stuff. That's the only way to measure whether or not this was, will you do it? So why wouldn't someone do this? Well, the answer is not because they disagree. Usually that they disagree with me. As I said, no one's like, I can have a heart of darkness that's rotten and still be wonderful here. I'm going to go strangle some puppies now. Or like, no one is evil. You know, no, nobody's doing that. No, the reason is um, mainly the number one reason I believe is the reason someone would let this slide. The reason they would not say above all else is because the most precious commodity I learned, Jackie and I talk about this all the time, um, money, interestingly, was not the most difficult commodity or resource. I know it may feel that way, it's it tight, and I get that, and for some people that may be a reality, but by and large, the most precious and scarce of all the resources is time. And what this scripture is saying is, with your time above all else, guard your heart. And the reason people don't do this is, I just, Pastor, I just don't have the time. To which I would say, I agree with you. And I will grant that you do not, in fact, have the time. So what I'm suggesting is rob from this, cheat this, to give this time. I know you don't have time. I'm saying you must carve out time, forcefully, carve. I use that word intentionally, carve, as in stab, as in there will be blood. <laughs> these things are not going to go down without a fight. I mean, think about how much culture has been put into these things. Somebody's going to kick and scream, and the wellspring of life will begin to grow pure again. Because you paid that price. You'll guard your heart. That's what it means to guard. Sometimes you guard stuff with, you know, it's... It, You're not looking for a fight, but if a fight comes, you're willing to guard it. Now, I don't know what it is in Long Island because I didn't, I I never lived here, but I know where I am right now, our, our current, let me tell you, we do not compete with other churches for Sunday attendance. We compete with travel baseball. I'm serious. We compete. If your kid is not traveling to Canada when he's three, he's going to fall behind. Right? Right? Now, 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 why? Why? Because what, it, because what a parent says is, well, above all else, we've got to guard our heart. But then they start to see, yeah, but I want, I want the best for my kid. I, I, I want to be a good parent. I want to give them everything. And what they can't see is, above all else, they're guarding their family. 
which is a really, really good thing, but will keep them from the best thing. It's not bad, but they've made their family an idol. And no, no family can bear the freight of being God. Not even above even your spouse, above even your family, above even guard your heart and your family would be better for it. Now you say, but Tom, are you telling me I should get up and come to church and leave my family behind? No, I'm saying drag your family with you to church. That's, that's what I'm saying. There's a very few of you that if you would say, well, I can think of a counterexample and an exception, I'll just grant it right away. Email me afterward and we can talk through. But for the vast majority of us, our problem is not that we're, pro- that we're prioritizing God so highly that we're neglecting family or work. Call me if that happens. I mean, we'll talk. But by and large, it's that, it's that this slips to the background so, so easily. And the Bible says above all else, guard your heart. There are a couple other objections, but nowhere near as important as time. So the time objection, I would say... I agree with you. You've got to think about carving out time. You've got to let something else go to guard your heart, to get in a position of encouragement. That could be, you know, again, it's Sunday morning church. It's also those hill houses. It's also those soaking prayers, those meetings. Uh, and it's not just the coming together, but, but, but life on life interaction. Okay. The other objections, which are, I, I've heard people say, well, like, uh, if I asked them, like at our church, we did small groups, very similar to your hill houses. And people would say, I don't want to join a small group. And I would say, why? They would say, is it because of time? No, no, I think I can break away. It's a, it's a good night for me anyway. But it's, uh, you know what it is? Uh, I won't know anybody. To which I would put my hands on their shoulders. Pull them close, like awkwardly close. And I would say, you didn't know anybody in kindergarten. But you did it. And look at you now. Just look at you. Right? So proud. What I'm saying is, I know, I know. But you're going to be surrounded by other people that are going to want to see you. It's okay. I know. It's hard to go somewhere new for the first time. You're not going to know anybody. I know. When you get a new job, is your wife going to say, no, honey, you don't have to go to work today. You won't know anybody at this new job. You stay home with me. Right? No, she just say, get in the car. I'm your boss anyway. Let's go. Let's drive, right? And she turns out she was the CEO to which the professional I was talking about earlier. Uh, and the other one is uh, less con- This is probably not even worth bringing up in a Christian church. But, but, but there, is, there are some people who are coming who we have to acknowledge week in, week out. You're a seeker. You're somebody who says, I'm not even a Christian. And there is an obstacle when your church is called City on a Hill Community Church. They go, well, church is for church people. I'm not church people. And what you're going to have to do, you know, you create, by the way, the buzz in your community. It's you. It's not like other people are going to do that. You are the ones going out there talking up your church in the community. But when they hear about that, it's going to be common for somebody to say, well, I'm not really church people. You know, we're not church people. You need to understand there's nobody is church people. It's a miracle that anybody, the fact that any of you are here right now is God's incredible grace. And church works a little different than other clubs. In fact, it works for the opposite. You only join the jazz band if you're already really into jazz. Like you join a jazz band if you're already really good at your instrument and you want to participate in the jazz band because you're already super into jazz band. You join the chess club, the Suffolk County Chess Club, if you're already really into chess and you want to be around other people and celebrate chess. You join the accounting club if you have no life. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm sorry. I don't know. I take offense to that. That's going in my spreadsheet of wrongs. That I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
You join the jazz band if you're into jazz. You join the chess club if you're already into chess. So you would think, and I can forgive you for thinking this, you would think you join the church if you're already into church. Church, however, works differently. Church exists not for the members that are already here, but interestingly, Jesus gave us the great commission to go into all the world, and the church exists for the members who are, in fact, not yet here. That's incredible. This is a place for you to come and keep coming. So I invite you without knowing everybody's story. If you're still on the fence, you're at the right place. Keep coming. Get your questions answered. This is actually what you're supposed to do to figure it out. And so I just try to think of some objections as to why you wouldn't do that. Above all else, guard your heart. Uh, that's about it. Uh, the last thing to consider would be at, at let's, let's just let's just fast forward. And uh, I, I, again, I don't know your ages, but uh, I don't know. Let's fast forward. Some, some number of years. Let's fast forward X number of years where X is a number that you would be happy to die at. I got a little, I got a little crazy. Uh, don't do that. Don't, just fast forward. Fast forward a number of years. Fast forward a number of years. Okay? We look into your life in the future. We're looking into your life. What if you have crushed it in this chair? I mean, what if? I don't know whether you, you won the lottery or you worked hard or, you, you know, whatever it is. And you're just... Now you're just sitting here and you have, you are just sitting in your yacht, which is parked in Middle Island randomly. I don't, it's, but you're rich. You didn't matter. You can do that stuff, right? And you have, um, achieved all the professional success you want. You've been given, if it's the Nobel prize or if it, whatever, whatever the award you want, you have absolutely crushed it. <sighs> More money than you can spend. You're good. You can plenty to give away to your grandkids were. And. Oh, and I'll give you one more. What if you've not only crushed it in this chair, but you look in on your life. If we fast forward a couple decades, you've crushed it here. And all your family like still talks to you. You're, 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 your kids are calling you up. Yo, dad, I'm going to bring you money. Like, what? Yes, yes. You just, you crushed it. Like. There's this incredible thing where relationally your family's together and they love each other and you're just looking around the table and it's, it's good. You've crushed it here, you've crushed it here. What if you've crushed it here, you've crushed it here, but your heart is far from God and, and your character is not what it needs to be. And every night there's torment in your soul because you don't know where you'd go if you met your maker. You, you don't know about these spiritual things. There is no peace between you and God. What have you gained? Jesus said this, he always said incredible things, but one of the most incredible things to me, he said, he said, what, what does it profit a man? You remember this? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his own soul? What do you got? You got nothing. And if, if at the end of your life, in that moment, when you've been You've just done great professionally. You've done great relationally. And this is rotten. If at the end of your life, you cry out to God and you say, God, forgive me. I got all this wrong. Listen, here's the thing. He will forgive you. But he won't allow time travel. And he won't allow you to come back to this moment today. This day. In City on a Hill, right here, this Sunday. When you've got a choice when you walk out of these doors. About whether or not you will, above all else. Guard your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness to us. <clears throat> and thank you for putting us, w w when you call us to follow you, thanks for 
not making us do it alone, but thank you for putting us in spiritual families. And I thank you for, in my own journey, in my own life, the incredible encouragement that I received from City on a Hill Community Church. How they uh, put courage in me and uh, put so much love in me. They made me uh, want to keep going sometimes when it was uh, be easier to just to mail it in. Uh, and I know that they do that for one another. So, Lord, grant to anyone here today who feels far from you or they feel far from this body, grant that they would lean in toward you, that they would take a, a step toward another believer. Whether it's a, joining a hill house or whether it's making that extra commitment throughout a week that they otherwise were not going to make. Stir in our hearts this fresh passion to be with one another, to pray together, to not give up meeting together, to above all else, Guard our hearts. Grant that to your people. Bless this sweet church. Lord, thank you that there's so much they're doing. That it's, uh, it's like they're salt and light. Salt, they're bringing out the God flavors of this community. Anywhere you're working, these, uh, these Christians here are seasoning and they're making a difference. And Lord, they're light. There's darkness. Folks can still find hope in the gospel, and this church is illuminating that truth. Thank you. Bless them. Bless their pastors. Bless the leaders. Bless every volunteer. God, grant grace to be poured out upon this place and upon these people. Amen. Church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. May God richly bless you. I love you. Hey, man. That's my first hello to Tom since he's in town. Glad we're going to spend some time this afternoon. Isn't it great to hear that voice in this church again? It's hard knowing that we'll only hear it once in a, once in a while. Yeah, miss you, man. Love you. Uh, what a blessing and what a word you brought today. That was fabulous. And uh, how much more do I owe you for what you said today? kidding. That was beautiful. Right over your heads, but he got it. How beautiful was that in encouraging all of us, whether it's a hill house or really, you know what you reminded me of today? If we could just like kind of talk, they're listening to us. Reminded me of uh, Andy Stanley's book from years ago about choosing to cheat and uh, kind of, oh, is that, I didn't even know. Is that right? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. It was better than his book. And uh, it really that you have to cheat. And there are certain things, and, you know, I know the connotation cheating bad, but in a good way as Christians that there are certain things that we're going to have to give up. You said give up good things for what is better, ultimate things. So I really appreciated that this morning. Make sure you see this man, say hello. I know so many of you are excited. The house is packed today uh, to see him. To remind you, too, before they sing the song, on Tuesday night, you don't want to miss it. 
There was a prayer meeting here. I, I, we had a disaster at our, our house this morning, so I don't even know what was said at announcements about this week. Yeah, we're, we're all good. But on uh, yesterday, we had an amazing prayer meeting. There were 30-plus people in this place on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, and the roof was going to blow off here. All right? And the Spirit was moving. The Spirit is moving in this house. You need to come. Don't make excuses. You need to be here. A lot of you, you could have been here yesterday at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get in your face. But you chose to do other things. Listen, it's not a time to mess around. Not a time to play. Tuesday night's going to be a worship night. You want to come out. You want to be blessed. Don't stay at home. You could be doing a thousand different things. You come out here on Tuesday night. You be blessed. Next week, part seven. David series. I've had two weeks off. I'm, I'm like a caged animal to get back. Out. I'm, no, I'm not kidding you. We're going back to the caves. We're going to Engedi next week. I, gotta, I, I can't wait. And then we're going to meet Mephibosheth the week after that. We're, half, we're only halfway through. I told you this is going into December. So whole fall is, is the life of David, a relentless pursuit of his life. So you come because I'm fired up. I could start right now, but you already heard one sermon. You don't want to hear two, right? Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.